Welcome into the best in paranormal programming. This is Darkness Radio. I'm your host, Tim Dennis. You know, I was pleased the other day when I was on social media and I saw a good friend of our show said, you know what? I'm willing to get back into this game a little bit and I'm willing to take on some uh, podcasts and some interviews because I said, you know what? It's about time. It's about time to get this guy a little bit back into the game. And just like Al Pacino said, just when I thought I was out, they pull me back in. I know, terrible Pacino uh, impression, but I thought it was about time we pulled this guy back in. Who am I talking about? Well, our guest today is Eric Altman. And Eric Altman is one of those cryptozoologists who's rich in experience and rich in stories rich in the world of Bigfoot and cryptozoology and a guy that I've missed like you wouldn't believe. I'm not going to go through his biography or, or anything like that. I'm just going to bring him in. Welcome back to Darkness Radio. The man who started the Monster Watch segment on the show, by gosh, Eric Altman. Welcome, my friend, back to Darkness Radio. Thank you, Timmy. It's good to talk to you again. Good to talk to you. Uh, and you've been missed. Yeah. Well, I've been kind of uh, like we were talking off the air. I've kind of gone under the cover, so to speak. Um, still doing my thing, doing the research out in the woods, investigating cases, but kind of got away from the public spotlight and just kind of got back to the basics. Mm -hmm. And I think I think it's really done me some good is to step away and take a fresh breath of air. And so, uh, yeah, you were right. I got back on social media and said, hey, uh, maybe I'll start doing some podcasts again, doing some interviews. And you were the first one that hit me up, and I'm glad to be back talking with you again. And uh, I gotta, I gotta tell you, the Monster Watch thing. Mm -hmm. For the longest time, I did not get the music intro that you were playing on that. Yeah. Until I saw Breaking Bad, and I thought <laughs> that guy kind of looks like me. <laughs> it makes sense after all these years. <laughs> well, th there you go. You know, there's there's certain things you can do in a radio station when you have an ASCAP or BMI license, and you can kind of lift that music. And I used to try to get clever with the music and try to match up things and hope people would get the clue, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I never knew if you got that clue or not. So I'm, I'm glad you said you've got the clue finally on that. Yeah, for the longest time, I, I just thought that's a weird intro to be playing for somebody who's doing Bigfoot research. And then I finally watched Breaking Bad and saw the guy, the main character on there. And I'm like, man, he does look like me. And then it kind of clicked. And I was like, oh, that's where he plays that from. So, yeah, it's good to be back. Um, it's good to talk with you again. I miss doing the Monster Watch, so maybe we'll be able to kick that around and bring that back sooner or later. I would love to do that. But, of course, it's on it's on your dime. It's on your schedule. If you'd like to come back and do it, this is always your house, my friend. So whenever you decide you want to you want to come back and do the segment, it's the door is always open. So oh, who knows? There might be some new stories about giant hairy beavers out there. That's right. That those are always my favorite. You know, yep. we've had a, we've had plenty of Uranus stories lately. <laughs> we always need a giant hairy beaver to go with Uranus. I'm just saying. That's right. Yeah, exactly. And so, they're still out there. They are the giant hairy yeah. beavers. They never went away, huh? No, they're still out there in the moist, uh, moist underwater situation. <laughs> they're building their dens. <laughs> you know, I feel like one of these should get thrown in. Oh, wait, no, I don't have it set up here. I, you know, the people get on me from time to time because I throw these in. One of those. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, a rim shot. Yeah, One of those. yeah, yeah. People get tired of me firing off that button, but uh, yeah. But yeah, I, I, I'm kind of partial to it. So yeah, when you say giant hairy beaver in Uranus, I, this, this little trigger finger right here gets itchy and I keep wanting to do this. But I, I'll refrain I'll refrain. 
for now. Oh goodness, those were those were some fun times. Those, fun times, those, sure. those were those were. So yes, I, I, if you uh, ever get the itch to talk about a giant hairy beaver, <laughs> um, <laughs> our door is always open. Too bad I, I appreciate have, that. You know what? I should almost do a, a Google search r- real quick and put in. I'm going to do this giant hairy beaver and see if it pops up in the. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you make it some rather interesting pic- pictures and websites. I'm sure. <laughs> uh, you know what's funny when you when you bring it up in the news. There's a news story from from January 14th of 2020 that says, watch a big hairy beaver pee on a lot of people. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. (laughs) All righty, then. (laughs) It's the first thing in there, Eric. I wouldn't I wouldn't lie to you. It's it's Uh, I I, I believe you. (laughs) It's just uh, it's just right there. So. Uh, it's funny what you can find when you Google stuff. People think this uh, this news thing's an easy gig. It just isn't, you know. It was interesting coming up with stories, uh, you know, when I did the segment because I wanted to have fun with them, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, because that's the, the show is lighthearted, and you know, um, we like to laugh and have a good time and stuff. But also, there's a lot of serious stories out there that need to be covered and talked about too. People are seeing, still seeing strange and unusual animals out there, but the giant hairy beaver takes the cake. <laughs> well, it will if you leave it out. See, yes. I can't. I, I got to stop doing that because people, they say you hit that button too much. <clears throat> mm-hmm. So I got to stop that. But uh, yeah, um, there's uh, now that I've completely ruined our interview for this. <laughs> no, you haven't. You haven't. You haven't. That's that's on me. That's on me. Um, there's, you know, the, we say that there. It's tough to 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 kind of gather some of these stories some of the stories regarding bigfoot actually especially i mean giant hairy beavers are are few and far between i think mainly because waxing has become in vogue again (laughs) but um but as far as bigfoot goes that seems to be a popular phenomenon that and and lock nest sightings i think we're up to nine already this year or ten um but with bigfoot that seems to be more and more popular. And, and I guess I'm going to throw it to you and ask you the question, why is it we're seeing Bigfoot so often these days? I think there's a couple reasons for that. Um, I think it's become such a staple in pop culture mm-hmm. that it's everywhere. It's, it's in movies, it's on commercials, it's on action figures. There are hundreds of Facebook, social media groups about Bigfoot. It's literally everywhere, and it's on people's minds constantly. So you're more than likely going to see a lot more news about it now than you would, say, five or ten, even 15 years ago. But it's it's out there everywhere. And, and I think a lot of it, too, has to do with people being outdoors more. Since the pandemic, people started spending more time outdoors and just enjoying Mother Nature. So I can't say if a lot of those stories are legit. Um, especially after some of the ones I've read, but there, there are a lot more stories in the news and in the media where people are claiming they're seeing things and experiencing things. And with the advent of cell phones that have these fantastic cameras with them, um, people are taking pictures and videos of strange and unusual things out there in the woods. And you know what? It gets harder and harder to trust those pictures when you see them. I mean, we, we must get, one or two reports a week now of a Bigfoot sighting and you see 
you see those tracks. And okay, I'm going to ask you this question right off the bat. This is one of those questions Bruiser wanted me to ask you. Uh, this latest story out of West Virginia, and we'll talk about this story right off the bat too. One of the uh, users on YouTube, I believe it was, that saw this, it might have been YouTube or Reddit that saw this story. It was out of West Virginia. And I showed you the tracks before the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and for those who aren't familiar, yesterday on Supernatural News, we reported on the story. Let me pull this story up real quick from West Virginia, having to do with the Bigfoot sighting. It was just one foot, and it was nine inches across. And they, they took and measured this, this Bigfoot track, but Bruiser was convinced it was a true Bigfoot track because you could see a slide at the end of it, almost like this foot came down and came to a sudden stop, like it might have been running or, you know, it was some sort of high-impact footprint. When I showed it to you, automatically, what did you say? I don't think it's a Bigfoot track. It's just my opinion looking at the picture. I wasn't there in person to see it or see the surroundings or anything, but it just doesn't look like a Bigfoot track. And if it were something that stopped its foot and slid in the mud, mm-hmm. you would think the toes at the end of it would be a little bit longer than they truly are. Okay. If you notice at the front of the picture, the toes are very, very short. Yeah. And, and they don't, they don't really look like toes to me. Um, it's just my opinion. I could be wrong, but it doesn't look like a big footprint. Okay. I'm showing it to you now and we're, we're on zoom and we're talking. So what, what, what is it about the toes that look unusual to you? Well, seeing the castings over the years that I've seen and examined them and seeing actual tracks myself, the toes look rather stubby. They don't look long. They don't look like toes to me. Mm -hmm. They just look like impressions in the mud. Um, yeah, it doesn't look like a track at all, actually. I don't know what it is, but okay. it could have been somebody put something down there to make it look like a track. I, I don't know, but it does not look like a big footprint. There's something interesting I want you to take a look at here. I'll, let me hold this up again for you. If you look mm-hmm. at the picture on the left, if you look between mm-hmm. the second and third toe, there's a split there that looks unusual. Do yeah. You, do you see that? Yeah, and... Again, I'm not on site to look at the ground, but it looks like it's pretty pretty muddy right there. Right. And the toes should not have splayed like that. I'm, I'm not a primate expert. I'm not an anatomy expert. But mm-hmm. just looking at that, it, it doesn't explain why those toes splayed the way they splayed. Yeah. It almost looks like somebody stuck something down in the ground and pulled it up pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, that's what it looks like to me. Yeah. Now, I understand what Bruiser's saying about there's it looks like when you look at the second photo it looks like something hitting and then and then potentially sliding but it looks like it's sliding backwards it doesn't look like it's sliding forwards normally when you slide forwards with your foot there isn't that much sliding on the back side of the foot is there there shouldn't be um and again we're looking at two pictures here, so there's really yeah. not a lot to go on other than just looking at pictures. Right. But uh, it doesn't look like something slid to me. It looks like something was placed down on the ground. Yeah. Yeah. And it looks like someone tried to, it, because it's coming from like a, a watery edge, almost like a, mm-hmm. it, it wasn't in a pond per se, but, but like a puddle, like it came and yeah. landed close to a puddle. And it's a little too convenient that it, landed at the edge of this puddle because it's one way for someone to be able to cover up their tracks if they were putting down 
um, some sort of a stamp or something or a, an impression mark to make it look like a, a Bigfoot track might have landed. Um, not saying that these guys are faking it. Or I'm not making a definitive call here. But the let me give you some of the details here, Eric, as far as what they say here. It says there are a few... Uh, cryptozoological creatures that have generated as much debate and intrigue over the years as Bigfoot. Uh, they're claiming that in this situation, uh, they said what this person had found was a large five-toed footprint measuring approximately nine inches in width. Sure enough, the images that this person posted do show what appears to be a large footprint, but other users were quick to point out that the absence of any other footprints in the vicinity was a bit suspect. Here's the question that Bruiser wanted me to ask you. Why only one print? Why And why in the majority of these, uh, the evidence that people submit, is there only one print at a time? How can we never see two prints? How come you don't see the other foot? That's a good question. Um, typically, if there was an animal walking, there should be prints before and prints after. Now, they're not going to be well-defined depending on the, the substrate of the soil or the grass or weeds or whatever, but you should at least see impressions um, leading up to that print or leading away from that print. And being just one print, even though it's in the mud, is still suspect um, because that indicates that the ground is wet and there should have been if that animal is truly a Bigfoot, it's heavy enough to leave uh, an imprint in the grass or other type of soil that even if it didn't have toes or it wasn't well-defined, you should still be able to see an imprint in the ground. So that makes it pretty suspect that just one print is found mm -hmm. and no other impressions are found before or after. In your experience, what is the the length of the stride between one foot and the other with a Bigfoot when they, when they are either running or walking, what, what kind of distance are you talking about between one foot and the other when they make an impression? That can vary. Um, a normal hum human stride is three and a half to four feet. Mm -hmm. And if they're running, it's going to be a little bit longer, but a Bigfoot stride is normally between five to seven. Okay. And sometimes they've found them a little bit further than that. Um, it just depends on if people are successful enough to find tracks in a row. They can measure from the ball of the foot or the toe of the foot to the, the heel of the other foot in front of it. Um, but typically five, five and a half to seven okay. would be around the, the common range. Is it a, is it a matter of when people find these things that they're, just so awestruck at the fact that they think they found something that they're not looking around careful enough? Or is it the fact that there's not enough attention to detail that they're thinking of potential directions of where that second footfall may be? What is it that they're not finding that second footfall? I can't speak for what other people are looking for, what they're finding or what they're searching for. Me in particular, if I find a track I'm looking for tracks leading to it, tracks leading away from it. Um, Continuing to go in that direction to see if I can find any additional evidence to support that maybe that that single track is a good solid footprint that's worth casting. Um, I've come across situations where I found tracks, even smaller prints that clearly show toes that are elongated toes, not like the one in that photo, but there's another track in front of it. 
and I want to go in that direction or go back in the opposite direction to look for additional footprints because that's the real indicator that some kind of animal did walk through there or even a human. Um, you can look at the other prints and see if they're within the human range size or, but just in that case with that one print and not seeing anything else or knowing that they found anything else, it really makes it suspect. So when you see, when you, when you go and you backtrack and you see that that other, even if it's a toe print, does it have the same depth? Does it have the same impression or the same feel as the other print that you just saw? Is that how you know that that's an authentic print that you just saw? Well, it, it depends on the type of soil because the soil could change um, pretty quickly from compacted hard soil to something that's wet or soft or sandy. Um, so I want to look and see if there's an impression there and try to take measurements of that impression. And if they're close to the the one print that was found that gives me a pretty good idea of how, you know, what kind of animal came through there, the size, if they match, that's a little more credence towards it possibly being a real footprint. Um, there's really nothing here in this picture to gauge other than what's taken in that photograph. So, um, and it's hard to say as far as depth goes, because again, you're looking at soil substrate, you're looking at um, compaction of the, the ground, leaf compost. There's a lot of factors involved that could, even the way the animal is running, if they hit the ground a certain way, they're running that could let, lead to a deep track or a shallow track. So there's a lot of a lot of things that fall into play. Okay, in this picture, they they measured nine inches across, and it was below the balls of the feet. So mm -hmm. it was almost getting to the top of the arch where they had measured. Is that a typical place to measure a, a Bigfoot? footfall is that is would that be where you'd want to measure it or how would, how do you measure when you go to measure a, a bigfoot track well everybody does it differently i particularly measure across the, where the ball of the foot would fall that seems to be the widest place okay and um studying the tracks over the years and knowing that there are certain bulges that come out due to the weight placement of the foot um and and learning from dr jeff meldrum he talks about you know looking for um the mid tarsal break in the track, which shows flexibility of the foot. I'm going to measure where the foot I think is going to be the widest. Um, and that's not the heel that's going to be around the ball of the foot. Okay. So that's usually where I measure from. And what I've learned over the years is usually the footprint length is uh, the half. I should say the footprint width is half of the length. So if it's a 16 inch track, the width should be around eight inches. Um, give or take, maybe seven and a half, maybe eight and a half, but around that range is what I found over the years doing this. So a nine inch width would be right around that. It'd be a, a normal size or a bigger size track. Uh, typically tracks are anywhere from 12 inches to uh, I've heard them as large as 21 inches. Wow. So you're looking at a width. If it's nine inches in width, it'd probably be about an 18 inch long track. Okay. And I'm curious to know, I didn't read the story, but I've seen the pictures. In the story, did they mention how long the, the print measured from what they took of it or just the width? Just the width. They didn't mention the length. Okay. Just the width. Uh, nine inches in width, uh, but not a length. Because it it, it did slide, and it, sl it slides all the way to the edge of that puddle, which yes. makes it a little suspect to me. Yeah, it, it does. Um, an 18-inch track is typically what the length would be but if it slid that would make it longer yeah. so you'd be looking probably at a 20 to 21 inch track and i'm just um 
this is all guesswork because I wasn't there to see it, to take measurements myself. But if a track, if, if any animal is going to slide, a human, an animal, if they're going to slide in the mud, that track is going to be longer. So it, it could be upwards of 20 plus inches, depending on, you know, where it landed. But looking at that picture, it doesn't look like it's a 20 inch track to me. Um, that's why I was curious to see if they did take a length measurement of it. Yeah, I think they probably would have held off just because it, it, when you look at that picture, it slides off towards the puddle and it looks like it in in the the angle of it looks bizarre. You know, it, mm-hmm. it um, almost like I don't know. I, I can't explain it. It doesn't look like Bigfoot slipped back into the puddle. Uh, obviously, <laughs> uh, you would think he'd be a little more uh, adept or a little more acrobatic than that. Um but it, it has a bizarre look to it. That's why I can see where some of the people online who, who weigh in on it uh, think that maybe it's a fake track. Yeah, that's what I'm leaning towards is suspect. Uh, again, I wasn't there. I couldn't take actual measurements. I couldn't see the terrain, the, the substrate of the soil. I couldn't get a really good idea of what I was looking at other than just from a couple pictures. But from those pictures, it doesn't look legit to me. Yeah, it's definitely interesting. It's an interesting um, print, that's for sure. You know, there's there's a, a different subcategory of, of Bigfoot, and I wonder if we should take our break here, and I want to talk about it with you. It's, it's one that came up in the news here earlier in the, in the month, even last month. We talked about uh, Bigfoot here in America, but then there's Bigfoot over in Britain. And uh, we also want to talk a little bit when we come back about the fact that uh, you're running trips now again. Do you want to tell people just real quick before we go to break a, a little bit about it and, and where they can uh, where they can uh, go Bigfoot hunting with you? Sure. Um, yeah, that's coming up in September of 2024, the 6th and 7th of September. It's called the Pennsylvania Bigfoot Camping Adventure. This is our fourth one we've put on since 2016. And uh, what this is, it's a charity fundraiser first and foremost we're raising money for local charities in the area but this gives people an opportunity to hear from field researchers and to participate in workshops to learn how to 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 develop some of the skills that researchers use and see some of the tools that they use Um, we're also giving people the opportunity to go out in the woods with us at night so they can hike with us and, and experience what it's like when we go out looking for any kind of evidence or having an experience. And um, this is our fourth one. They've been, the first three have been very successful, had a lot of interest in it. So we decided to bring it back for the fourth one. And uh, we're having some uh, TV celebrities, if you will, come in to, to join us so people can meet some of their favorite TV celebrities, as well as hearing from some researchers from the East Coast. Um, I'm sure you're familiar with the, the Sierra sounds that were recorded in 1974. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ron, Ron Moorhead, who was involved in that expedition and, and the many years following, uh, he'll be joining us at the event to talk about the Sierra sounds and his involvement in that. And he maybe even play some of the sounds that he recorded. And uh, we have other, other great speakers coming in, um, vendors, food tents, uh, food trucks. Um, and it's all, all the proceeds are going to be donated to a couple of local charities in the area. So it's a great time. It's family friendly. The kids really enjoy it because they get to come out and learn about Bigfoot and learn how to uh, 
get hands-on and do the research and what tools are involved. So even the newbies that want to get involved with, you know, how do I become a Bigfoot researcher? This is a great opportunity to do that. We call it the Pennsylvania Bigfoot Camping Adventure because for a lot of folks, this is the first time they've ever done it. And they walk away thinking, man, that was a great adventure. So there you have it. There you go. Uh, speakers like Jay Bachochin and Dave Spinks, who have been on the program here, Stan Gordon and Kenny Biddle will be there. Uh, PABigfootCampingAdventure.com. We'll have a link to it in the description of this program. When we come back, we'll talk to Eric about the differences between American Bigfoot and British Bigfoot. We talked about it a little bit on the show Um just a few months ago and the fact that british bigfoot is dying out and what would cause a bigfoot species to die out we'll talk a little bit about the article that i have in front of me here and why they say british bigfoot may be disappearing what would cause a species that some people don't believe exists to become extinct we'll talk about that when we come back you're listening to eric altman and we're talking about of course bigfoot and other cryptids here on the best in paranormal programming. It's coming back next with Eric Altman right here on Darkness Radio. Welcome back to the Best in Paranormal Programming. This is Darkness Radio. I'm your host, Tim Dennis. Our guest is cryptozoologist and Bigfoot explorer and Bigfoot camping adventure host, Eric Altman. Again, folks, uh, check out PABigfootCampingAdventure.com. Coming up in the fall of 2024, he's got a great adventure for you to uh, join him on out there in Pennsylvania. Uh, we'll go over it again here at the end of the show, and he'll tell you a little bit more about it. Uh, Eric, before we went to break, we were talking about the differences between Bigfoot here and in other areas of the world, specifically in Europe. I wanted to address this with you. We, we read a story. Uh, it was probably end of November, beginning of December, and it had to do with British Bigfoot, of all things. And there was a story over there talking about British Bigfoot and the fact that it was declining in numbers, and some say it may even be extinct. Uh, let me grab a, an excerpt from the, the actual article here and talk about how, I believe it was Lee Brickley, 35-year-old says he found tracks and claw marks after a decade of searching for the ape-like beast, and the print was 41 centimeters from toe to heel nearly twice the size of a man's size eight foot. Uh, Lee accepts people will think he's mad, but he hopes to prove them wrong. He said, when I show them the pictures, they're amazed. There have been sightings of a Yeti-like creature around Canuck Chase in Staffordshire dating back to the 1800s. Lee has heard of 12 of these in the past two years and has even camped in the woods as he tries to gather proof. He said back in 2021, loads of people now message me regularly for updates. I get an anonymous email from a man saying he had been flying a remote control plane over Gentle Shaw Common at Canuck Chase, who said he had some, seen something unusual. With his description of the location, I went out there straight away and found the footprint. I was astounded. 
I'd never seen a footprint that large in my life, and it was clearly not made using a mold or a cast. That is probably the moment I realized the Canic Chase Bigfoot was more than a myth. A month later, Lee found the claw marks on a tree near a mutilated deer. He said some finds left him spooked and explained that it looked as though something had bitten and then ripped out its throat before eating from the torso. You see a lot of dead deer on Canic Chase. Often they've been hit by cars, but it was unusual to see that one in that condition. Lee claims that he caught a glimpse of Bigfoot once while researching for his book. He said, I can't say for sure what it was, as it was around 7 p.m. and getting dark and the figure was covered in shadow. It definitely moved more like an animal than a man, and it was easily seven feet tall. I tried to run from it, but it was too quick and it disappeared into a dense section of trees. Lee has been fascinated with Bigfoot ever since he was a child. He said, I remember watching Bigfoot documentaries with my dad when I was young. All the famous sightings were in America. So when I was a bit older, I started researching any UK sightings I could find. I just kept going from there and here I am. Lee has published multiple books on supernatural occurrences and Canic Chase, including his most recent book on Bigfoot. He said there have actually been many sightings since as far back as the 1800s of man-monkey-type creatures in Staffordshire. They also cite that since the 1800s, the population of Bigfoot has declined almost to extinct-like numbers, and to see a Bigfoot in Staffordshire, and especially in Canic Chase, is unusual. So I would pose this question to you, Eric. Why is it that a race of these, as they called it in this article here in the mirror, the man-monkey-type creatures, would go extinct when it's a, for lack of a better term, it's a, it's a species that a lot of people don't even believe exists. Well, um, it's hard to say without being over there um, and seeing the topography and the land and, and the food source, but my first guess would be the lack of food source um in a breeding population if there's low numbers to begin with and there's not an ample food source or water source for these animals to survive then they're obviously going to die out um and plus two i know that uh the population over there is expanding much like here we're encroaching on wild wilderness and wildlife areas and uh, that's probably has a big factor to it as well so there's probably a lot of contributing factors as to why this animal's possibly dying out. Um, I, I haven't done much research on the European Bigfoot. I've read some stories over the years, and and um, there's really not a whole lot compared to the United States or Canada or even countries like um, China or Russia. You know, where they have these frequent sightings. Um, there have been sightings of the wild man, as they call him, uh, the Eastern Europe wild man, or, or even in England. Um, but not a lot. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that's a, a reason why we're seeing the decline in numbers is the food source, um, the cover, and uh, maybe there's just not enough people out there really looking for it. Um, and, and people may be having their sightings and just don't know who to re report it to. So there, there's a multiple factors that, that could be involved with it. I find it interesting that 
when we talk about food sources and what exactly Bigfoot will eat, what what they won't eat, what do you find when you look at at different areas of the world and what it is Bigfoot is eating? What is it a meat eater? Is, does it eat berries and, and and leaves? What is it that that Bigfoot is surviving on? Because in this story, it's taken out a deer and it's eating meat. Uh, how is Bigfoot surviving out there in the wild? Well, the, the mutilated deer thing was kind of interesting when you brought that up. It had a bite mark taken out of its neck, and it was eaten from the side, um, according to the article. That's not typical um, behavior of what a Bigfoot would do. Um, from what I've read, and, and I'm not an expert on Bigfoot by any means, so um, just going by based on what I've read and hearing what other researchers talk about, they typically break the neck, and then they'll they'll take meat from the midsection back so having a bite mark in its neck that's kind of unusual that makes me lean more towards a, a canine yeah or a, a feline um and i know th- there's reports of black cats that have been seen over in england in the bogs and, and whatnot but um it, it seems like more typical behavior of a feline or a canine that would have killed that that deer but again i wasn't on site i can't say i didn't see the pictures of it but um to answer your question about what Bigfoot eats, uh, Bigfoot eats whatever it wants to eat, <laughs> um, whatever is available. And there are, I consider an opportunist, an omnivore, much like a bear, because they've been seen eating meat, uh, carrying deers off over their shoulders, um, small animals, um, plants, berries, fish, uh, freshwater clams, oysters. Um, you name it. And they've even been reportedly seen in garbage dumpsters foraging for food. So I'd say what, whatever Bigfoot can find to eat, it, it's going to eat. And if you really think about it logically, if this animal truly does exist, it's going to need a high caloric diet um, to keep up that, that size. So it's going to need thousands upon thousands of calories. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be constantly foraging for food, looking for food and eating whatever it can. So, um, it just from eyewitnesses have told me over the years reading the the books the, the newspaper articles doing my own research this is an omnivore and uh it'll eat whatever it can get its hands on okay it was andy mcgrath over in in england who had who had cited that he believed nessie was plentiful in in loch ness but it was it was bigfoot that was going extinct he had said that he had confirmed a quote-unquote sad conclusion on the beast's existence, talking about Bigfoot. He said, after six years of searching the length and breadth of the country for this creature, I found scant evidence that it still exists in our land. This is a direct quote from him. He added, undoubtedly, there are more than a few eyewitness reports, but these are notoriously lacking in attribution, often being second or even third-hand reports, and too often emanate from sources who have a quote-unquote skin in the game, or at least something to gain from this legend. Uh, he said, my said conclusion is that even though those 12th century carvings that feature so prominently upon the holy houses of Europe them are themselves a form of inherited folklore, memorial in cloth and stone to the stories of a bygone era, and that although they may have once existed in Europe, talking about Bigfoot, they were probably extinct by the time these carvings and tapestries were created. Despite this, uh, he still holds out hope for. Oh, he was. Then he's also talking about Nessie as well. Uh, he says, 
when it comes to the Bigfoot, whereas the British Bigfoot is a feature of the high middle ages and disappeared from our histories until the advent of Yeti mania. And I didn't bet you didn't know Yeti mania was running <laughs> wild in the early 20th century. And again, later when Bigfoot mania uh, reappeared on the media scene with the hugely successful uh, finding Bigfoot. Uh, he claims that, uh, that Bigfoot is all but extinct in, in Europe, but that's, that's the opinion of Andy McGrath. Which yeah, I, I would tend to agree with him. I'm not familiar with, with an outstanding number of reports like there are here in the United States or in Canada, like I mentioned, other countries. I know the numbers are there, but they're much lower than what we're accustomed to hearing about here in uh, North America. So uh, that's one reason why I really haven't followed much about Bigfoot in England and, and some of the surrounding countries is because there's not a lot there. Um, it just really never garnished my interest to, to continue to look over there. I just never found enough information on it. There's also an interesting story out there that happened earlier in the year, and it was um, it was supposedly a picture of a Bigfoot carrying a baby on its back. Did you hear about this story? It was I think it was spring of this past year, and there's a lot of debate as to whether this picture was was actually. And I'll see if I can zoom in on this and, and show you this here, Eric. It's let's see if. Uh, think i've got this in tight enough here where you can see it oh yeah i've, I've seen that picture you remember that picture uh, yeah another one that i'm not so sure about okay um yeah, I, to be honest with you tim i'm skeptical skeptical of about a lot of what's put out there in social media and on youtube and um in the news media the costumes today are so sophisticated and they're so realistic and there's so much involved with CGI and, and people being able to Photoshop stuff. It, it, you have to be suspect with a lot of that stuff. Um, and I am, unfortunately, I, it, maybe it's just the cynic in me, Okay. but seeing so many videos and pictures just flood um, media, whether it be social media or, or you know, the news, it, it just makes me real suspicious because these animals are, they're not a dime a dozen. Okay. Um, you know, there's not a huge population of them and sightings are very rare when they do happen. So when somebody gets pictures of it, I look at it and the only way I could be convinced that it was a Bigfoot is if it was doing something, um, superhuman, like a human wouldn't be able to do. And if it's just something standing in the woods, like in that picture there, that's just, it appears to be moving through the brush it could be anything. It could be a guy in the caution. There's no, it's just not enough information to say that that's a Bigfoot or even has a baby on its back. Uh, to kind of catch up our, our listeners here as to what it is we're talking about. This, this story emanated out of New York and essentially it was a somewhat clear image of a Sasquatch with a little one on its back. It, it was happened in Beacon, New York which is said to be a hotspot for sightings. The supposed mom and child were captured walking through what was a woodland in, in broad daylight. The photographs were posted on Facebook with users left divided, uh, much, like, much like Eric is saying here, with the subjects in the frame being shown. 
the child is kind of up on the the mom's head, as <laughs> and, and you kind of see the back of the Bigfoot walking through the woods. Uh, in a bid to unravel the truth behind the creatures, a blog was previously launched to examine other images taken in Beacon. Text from the site reads, I started this page in response to the numerous Bigfoot sightings in the Beacon, New York area over the past year. Uh, photos of the blog consists of the alleged Bigfoots, including young ones, caressing and playing with deer in the forest. Now, does that seem odd to you? Uh, just a little. Playing with their food? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then again, <laughs> there are other animals that play with their food. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know. The giant hairy beavers again. Yeah, there you go. Uh, the, <laughs> I should give you one of these. There you go. Uh, the site is believed to be the first uh, that was uh, set up or that had been set up back in 2014, that Facebook site. Commenting on the most recent post of the mom and child, one person had said, Mama with a newborn, they wash them off in a nearby creek after birth. I think this is someone actually from Beacon. Another person wrote, come on, people, it's BF with several more there. I don't know what that means. Maybe the enlarged pic will help you. Uh, one of the images posted on Facebook shows what some think certainly looks like a baby clinging to its back. Another was very sure, saying that's a baby Bigfoot on its back. Others, however, were less into the idea that this could be finally big, be Bigfoot, uh, one person said, nope, looks like Quasimodo. <laughs> so it just looked like a, I don't know, like a Bigfoot with a bump. Uh, another added, it could be, but it isn't. One skeptic weighed in and said, nope, it looks like a human in size and proportion. It's much more likely a human than it is Bigfoot. Nothing about the picture speaks to the anatomy of anything but a human. If a human could fit in the suit, that's probably the answer. That's what the skeptic said. Discussion about previous pictures from the area was featured on the website, The Crypto Crew, uh, with the author of the page saying, the Beacon Bigfoot videos have been around for a little while now, and most, including me, think that they are nothing more than fakes. However, other images show an alleged baby Bigfoot with the author of the webpage saying, yep, it's a family thing. I hope they're on private property because someone might shoot them. Got to ask you this, though, Eric. Have there been stories or have you heard of stories of people running into Bigfoot in the wild with their children? Yes. Really? Yeah. I, I've, I've received reports myself over the years where people have claimed to seen uh, a, a large Bigfoot and a small creature or even several small creatures. Um, family stopped along the Pennsylvania Turnpike back in the, uh, I want to say the late 1990s. And uh, they claimed that they they were just kind of wandering around the parking area and they came up over a little rise in the hill behind the park, the building there, the rest stop area. And they startled a family of them and they, the family walked off into the distance. I've heard people tell me they've seen two Bigfoot walking down a power line together, maybe a male and a female. So if Bigfoot does exist, playing devil's advocate for a second, if Bigfoot truly does exist, they have to have a breeding population that continues to breed and, and have offspring. So it doesn't surprise me. People are claiming they're seeing family units. Okay. Uh, it's, I think it's more rare than, um, than seeing the individual Bigfoot that they come across in the forest, but that, who's to say there's not a family unit around, you know, their, their offspring or a wife or uh, a husband or whatever you want to call it. Um, 
yeah, you would think logically if these animals do exist, they have to be breeding and have to be presenting offspring. Would it be a situation like with a mama bear and a cub? Would you get in the same situation where if you happened upon a Bigfoot family where they would become more defensive or more aggressive? Should you find them in a family situation? Or like you just stated, uh, if you happened upon them, they would just walk away knowing that you just happened to catch a glimpse, but they're going to, you know, discretion's a better part of valor. They're just going to walk away from you. Well, I'm not a Bigfoot behavioral expert, so I can't say for sure what these things would do. But um, the majority of encounters talk about Bigfoot walking away and walking away very quickly. So if that's the case and they have young ones, they could probably just want to exit the area as quickly as possible to get away from the human encroachment. It's hard to say. It really is. I mean, we know bears become very defensive when their young ones are uh, possibly in jeopardy or in danger. So maybe that's what a mama Bigfoot's going to do too, is, you know, it's going to become aggressive, show an aggressive posture or the, the chest beating, throwing rocks, throwing sticks to get you to leave, to leave their little ones alone. I've never come across a situation like that. And I don't know of any cases where the, uh, the Bigfoot has been aggressive. Mm-hmm. All I know is the people have told me that, you know, at the rest stop, they watch this thing walk away very quickly, uh, the family unit. So it's hard to say what they do. I guess it depends on the situation and what's going on at the time. I know they say never feed the Bigfoot. That's that's always <laughs> been, especially if it's around your own home and you know that you have Bigfoot around. What is your stance on it? If you were to, especially if you're, let's say you're at a rest stop and you see a family of Bigfoot, would you, you know, you've got a vending machine in there and you, maybe you just happen upon a family and you go, oh, it's a family and they're looking for food. Would you leave some sort of tribute out for them? Or at that point, you know that there's consequences if you leave the food out and somebody else doesn't leave the food out and you know, they're going to keep coming around looking for food. Do you feel like you've set up something bad by doing that? Yeah, I would, I would. Because okay. I don't know, and, and I think it's presumptuous to think that the Bigfoot would just take the food and leave and say, you know, like, wave at you. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate the, <laughs> the tacos. But they're animals, mm-hmm. you know, and we don't know if they're human related or more animal related. So it's not wise to feed wild animals because it could be setting something up in the future for them to come back. And there's no food there and they're going to get angry or, or wonder, you know. Why is nobody feeding me now and maybe become aggressive? I don't advise anybody to feed animals, wild animals, a cat dog. Sure. But, um, you feed a wild animal and you stop feeding that wild animal and they're going to keep coming back, looking for food and maybe breaking into your house or (laughs) breaking into the vending machines, like you mentioned. So I don't think it's a wise idea to feed even a Bigfoot. So it's a bad idea to have pet chipmunks. Um, they might be friendly, but you never know when you get, you're get you going to get bit. <laughs> but they love me, Eric. They, I mean, I, I gave them names, and they they left me they left me sunflower seeds in tribute before they went to sleep. We're going to have to have a little talk after the show. Okay, well, we'll talk after the show. <laughs> I mean, they, they're, they sit and have coffee with me. I like giant hairy beavers myself, but I don't feed them. <laughs> I think we all love a little beaver, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Just saying. Oh, goodness. Um, yeah, it's just not smart to feed wild animals because you just don't know what's going to happen. I hear you. I hear you. This, this 
little guy. He sat on my foot. He used to sit on my foot and just have fun. Okay, okay, enough of that. Um, uh, the one thing, uh, switching gears here, going from being nice to animals to being not so nice. Let's talk, we've talked in the past and we've addressed it in the past between you and I here, Eric. And that's this. It's it's talking about the, the shooting and killing of Bigfoot. Um, there are some states where you can legally hunt Bigfoot, which isn't a good thing. I do have a story in front of me here where the world's most prolific Bigfoot hunter claimed she filmed a beast found dead. I don't know if you remember the story from July, but uh, I believe this is, I think it's supposed to be Claudia, but it may be Kaludia Ackley, claimed that she spotted Bigfoot while hiking with her daughters in California and it inspired years of investigating research and meetings with other spotters. She claims that uh, 51-year-old Claudia, it is Claudia, they spelled it wrong in the beginning, caught the cryptid on camera in 2016 and afterwards dedicated her life to investigating other strange sightings. If she did catch one that was found dead at her home in Tennessee and put it on film, that's a hell of a catch, first of all. Um. She claims that on March 27th, 2016, she filmed the 800-pound ape-like creature while hiking with her daughters. The next day, she visited the same spot and discovered a 22-inch footprint and 13-inch footprint near the site. While investigating, she posted a note on a tree calling on others to get in touch if they had similar sightings. Uh, one hiker claimed they regularly heard screams that sounded like a woman getting raped along the trail. Uh, she was so dedicated to proving Bigfoot's existence, she even sued the state of California in hopes that they would begin to take the search seriously. During her research, she found thousands of similar sightings around the U.S., even helped to set up a PTSD group for people who had seen Bigfoot. Paying tribute to Claudia, grieving partner Ed told the U.S. Sun how the community has lost a soldier. He had begun worried, he had become worried for her after he didn't hear from her for days when he was out of town on a business trip. So he got a friend to check on her who found Claudia lying on the bed as if she was asleep. Uh, Ed said it could be caused by hypertension, an issue with her medication, but there's nothing to suggest anything untoward or anything related to any conspiracy theory. It is so important to me that is made clear that it's not related to any conspiracy theory or anything like that. He says, I want to protect her legacy. She was a great person with a heart the size of Texas, and she wanted to help everybody. She would give everything she had to help people who needed it right up to the very end. She believed in what she saw. He said that Claudia truly believed in these mysterious creatures' existence. Uh, she wanted to force the state of California and the Fish and Wildlife Authority to take the sighting seriously. He added the community, regardless of anyone's view, has lost someone who was willing to stand up and fight for their beliefs. The Bigfoot community lost a soldier, so evidently she died as well. Um, which is unusual. I mean, if she sighted a dead Bigfoot and then died as well, that's kind of unusual. What? What do you think about, first of all, I, I, let's, let's tackle this 800-pound uh, this elephant in, in bite-sized bits here. First of all, I want to I tackle hunting Bigfoot. Your stance on it, obviously, is going to be a big no. I get that. 
my stance on it is a big no. How do you tackle it in 2023? How do you, how do you look at it in 2023? Because obviously people are looking at this gigantic creature and thinking, I'm not going to go into the woods without some sort of protection. How do you convince people to go out there and not bring a weapon? Well, it's always important to have something with you to protect yourself because you're not just dealing with a possible Bigfoot in the woods. You're dealing with other wildlife. And unfortunately, humans are more dangerous than wildlife. So you may run into some nefarious people out there. So I I don't recommend going into the forest unless you have some kind of protection, whether it be bear spray, a pocket knife, even a sidearm or a rifle when you go out. but with that said, I don't condone shooting a Bigfoot. Um, and if you're hunting for deer or turkey or coyote or whatever you're hunting for, that's fine. I have no issues with hunting. I'm a hunter myself. I've hunted for 25 years. Okay. But I have an issue with people going out there to shoot and kill one of these things. Now, I understand from the scientific um, aspect, the they want a body. So that's the only way that's going to prove this once and for all is to hopefully come across a, a Bigfoot that died of natural causes, hit by a vehicle, um, or God forbid, somebody does shoot one. The risk you run um, with shooting a Bigfoot is twofold. If these things truly do exist and you shoot one of these things, you may just piss it off and you have to deal with the consequences. Um, you also run the risk of shooting one of these things, and it could be someone in a suit playing a prank then you're going to be convicted of murder because you just shot at something that you thought was a Bigfoot, but the court's not going to think, you know, you shot a human. So I don't condone people going out there and just taking shots at something that could be a person. And again, speaking hypothetically, you don't know what this Bigfoot's going to do. If you shoot an 800 pound, seven and a half foot tall animal and you wound it, you may not make out of the woods alive. Um, that's a hypothetical situation. Um, I don't, I just don't, I'm not for the killing of these animals. Now I know there are groups that, that do go out and actively hunt and try to kill one of these things for the purpose of science to present a body. And a lot of scientists say that's the only way we're going to prove it, but that's not where my pathway leads. Why is it when we collect hair samples from a Bigfoot that it doesn't necessarily come up as something different than an animal sample well it's because we have nothing on the data banks that we can match it to it, it usually comes up as an unknown species or some form of a primate with human dna mixed in with it that seems to be the norm that's that's being reported but there's nothing to match it to in the database we don't have a dead bigfoot on site um, in, in a lab somewhere or in a freezer somewhere where we can pull out a hair and say here's a hair from this one here's a hair from what you found look, they match. That's what it is. So they're, they're not matching anything known that's in the, the zoological category or catalog. Um, so people just, when they hear it, hear it come back from the lab that they couldn't match it, or it comes back up as 95% human with 5% chimpanzee DNA or orangutan DNA, they, they leave it at that. It, it was a human because, you know, it's more likely what it was is left from a human or human contamination. But I think that's why people that, that when the, especially when the scientific community releases their findings, they don't have anything to match it to, to say exactly what it is. So they classify it as unknown. Right on. 
So when it comes to actually recovering a body, let's say out in the wild, what is your speculation as to what happens to these dead bodies that supposedly should be here? I mean, we supposedly should have a skeleton somewhere on this planet. We should have remains somewhere on this planet. We should be able to recover a body and be able to cross-reference DNA somewhere. What happens to the remains of a Bigfoot? Well, there's a lot of theories and a lot of speculation on that subject. Um, some researchers believe these animals have a social structure much like humans and they bury their dead. That's why we don't find skeletal remains. Um, I know as an experienced hunter and, and spending time in the outdoors when an animal dies, usually within the first seven to 10 days, that animal's fully decomposed. The bones are picked apart by rodents and other small animals in the forest, porcupines and whatnot. So there's not going to be a, a full skeletal structure there left. Um, if someone were to find a decomposing animal in the, the forest, a, a Bigfoot, for example, they probably would just rule it off as a bear um, because it's probably going to be so badly decomposed that that's finding a fully intact Bigfoot that just died in the forest is like winning the, the billion dollar Powerball. It's just something that's probably and will not happen. Um, and they may go off into like an elephant graveyard, so to speak, high in the mountains in a remote forest somewhere that they just die. Um, I don't think a lot of the soil in most of the, um, the forested areas is conducive to create fossil remains. Mm -hmm. And therefore that's why I don't think we find any fossil remains yet. Doesn't mean they're not out there, but let's face it, Tim, there's not a lot of scientific people out there looking for Bigfoot bones and Bigfoot bodies and doing that kind of research. Um, the scientific community is beginning to garner some interest in it, but not enough where, you know, they're going to be out there doing excavations like they do for dinosaurs. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's a little, it's a tar pits, you know? <laughs> uh, so I, I don't think we're going to be able to come across that unless someone by happenstance and, and hits that power ball and finds a, a corpse that they can say, Oh my gosh, that is a full Bigfoot. Then they're going to have the, the task of getting it out of the forest and back to a lab. And that's going to be fun. We're coming out of the, fall hunting season and we're coming into the winter ice fishing season snowmobile snowmobile season and, and those different winter sports seasons and there are going to be some people who are going to be outdoors what do you recommend if they happen to come across one of these creatures and have that experience where they come across one of these creatures or better yet if they they happen to come across what they think may be the body of one of these creatures. What, what do you do to report seeing one of these creatures? Um, I would suggest if you come across a body and you're certain it is a Bigfoot body, not a bear or some other animal, don't contact the game <laughs> game commission because they're going to come out and take it from you and you're going to be left without nothing. Okay. Um, take as many pictures as you can, video, if you can cut off an arm or a leg or even the head and take it out and get out of there as quickly as you can, that's what I would suggest doing. And then find a reputable um, university or a lab somewhere that can you can talk to and say, hey, look, I made this amazing discovery. Keep it on ice. Keep it under lock and key until you can get that 
evidence to the lab or whoever to have them look at it. Um, if it even makes it that far, because <laughs> okay. I know people would say, Oh my gosh, this is a fine of a lifetime and right away be on Jerry Springer with the Bigfoot head. And, and you've probably seen the YouTube videos of the guy from New York with the Bigfoot head and the Bigfoot penis and the, <laughs> the Bigfoot legs. And yeah, yeah, there's a guy out there touting that kind of stuff, but it, I would tell people if you find something like that, um, take as many pictures, videos, you can measurements, um, take as much physical evidence as you can, as far as hair, even some skin samples, tissue samples, blood samples. Um, don't call the, the wildlife uh, game commission, the fish and game commission, because they're going to come in and they're going to kick you out and you'll never see that Bigfoot again, get a hold of a university or a lab. Um, keep the remains that you have on ice and locked under, uh, I hate to say it, but armed guard, if you will, because if word gets out about it, people are going to come looking for it and you're not going to have anything anymore. So keep it safe, keep it protected, keep it on ice and get hold of somebody like a university that's willing to come out and take a look at it. Even a Bigfoot researcher, if you know a Bigfoot researcher, they can get a hold of a scientist to, that, that can put you in the right direction at least. Like Jeff Meldrum, for example, if you found a, something that was worth looking at, call Jeff. Okay. And he'll know what to do. It's interesting that uh, to say, keep it away from a game warden, because most people, I think that would be their first call. They would say, well, I'm going to call the game warden, uh, thinking that, well, who can, you know, wouldn't that be the fir per first person you trust? Um, but to think <laughs> that that's not the person you would trust because it would get swept under the rug and you'd never hear about it again is kind of a scary thought. Yeah, believe it or not, there are uh, the Fish and Game Commission has probably more authority in, in some cases than typical law enforcement. So uh, if, you, if you find something like that and you tell them that you made a discovery, they're going to come in, they're going to cordon off the area. You're never going to see that evidence again. And who knows what's going to happen to it? Uh, I can't say that they're going to bury it under the rug or it's going to magically disappear, but chances are it's not going to get to the right people to make the right discovery. You need to contact someone in the scientific community that is going to come in unbiased and look at it and, and do the proper testing on it. So why the big secret, Eric, why, why keep this away from the American public? Why, why do we not just acknowledge that it's out there? This is just my opinion on this. Okay. okay. So take it for what it's worth. Sure. There is a billion dollar forestry industry out there, uh, whether it means logging, protecting um, habitat for animals, um, protecting the outdoor recreational areas. If you come forward and say there's a Bigfoot out there, it does exist. You have two situations here. One, you're going to have every crazy hunter, every crazy guy or woman with a gun out there in the forest trying to shoot one of these things and possibly putting people in at risk who are also out outdoors, or you're going to drive people away from the forests and you're going to kill the whole recreational industry. Um, if they're proven to exist areas that could be logged and uh, lumbered, Mm -hmm. are going to be shut down and they're going to set up habitats for these animals and prevent people from going in there. So that's going to have a, a financial effect on those types of industries. 
So I think that there's a couple of reasons why the government and the Fish and Wildlife Commission haven't come forward. Now, I'll share a funny little story with you. Sure. Um, for my Pennsylvania Bigfoot camping adventure, as I mentioned earlier, we do night hikes. Mm-hmm. So in order to do night hikes at one of the uh, areas we're going to be doing them, I had to reach out to the Pennsylvania Fish and Wildlife Commission, the, the Game Commission, to get permits to go on these hikes. Okay. So they granted me the permits, which I was kind of surprised about, but we explained what we were doing and it was for charity. Mm -hmm. And I invited the game commission and the land management officer to join us at the camping adventure. And the response I received in an email was the game commission will not be there and I will not be there. So, yeah, I thought this would be a great opportunity to come out and, and not necessarily promote Bigfoot, but promote the outdoors and, you know, to educate the public that's going to be at a Bigfoot outdoor event on maybe, you know, come check out our game lands, come check out uh, the outdoors for recreation. They wanted nothing to do with the event. We will not be there and I will not be there. Weird. Um, Yeah. So maybe they just want to distance themselves from the subject altogether, Mm -hmm. or maybe they have nefarious reasons why they don't want to be there. I can't say, Um, but well, I was surprised they gave us the permits. I will say that. Well, because if they're anything but complacent, then it looks like they're being aggressive towards what you're doing, and then they raise questions. True. You know. True. So yeah. if they if they just go, okay, well, you know, you you can have it for your silly little whatever you're doing, then then it makes it look like you know it's kind of a ha ha type of deal. And then they, they look like, you know, they look like they're just, you know, sure, whatever you want to do type of deal. Mm-hmm. And then they, they look like they're, you know, you know, you can, you can do whatever you want as long as you're not hurting anybody. Right. Um, but if all of a sudden they start putting up a fuss about it, well, then then you're digging into why is there so much controversy behind us just going for a walk in the woods at night? Yeah. I had a forestry uh, worker um, who had been, uh, game warden. Um, he had been involved in local law enforcement and he was volunteering. It, it, he was in his late sixties at this time when we met him, but he was volunteering for the Pennsylvania forestry department up in the Northwestern part of the state. He called me a couple of years ago. We talked for a great length on the phone, almost two hours about some of the Bigfoot experiences he had had. And one of the questions I posed to him is, have you ever brought this up to your superiors or to any of your coworkers? He says, we don't talk about it. Really? Okay, well, wh- why don't you talk about it? Because it's just known that we just don't bring it up and we don't talk about it. So I said, okay, well, let me ask you this. Do you believe that Bigfoot's out there? He said, I've seen it. I know it's real. I've had an experience with my, my former girlfriend. So he knew it was real. And we actually, well, myself and another researcher, Tom Mihawk, and I went out in the woods together yeah. with him. And uh, he, he was very upfront and very f- forthcoming about what he experienced. But as far as his superiors, as far as his coworkers, they don't talk about it. Wow. So you tell me. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it, it sounds to me like um, there's a little bit of controversy there in Pennsylvania. And it sounds like someone's going to have a good time if they come out with you and, and everybody who's there at the Pennsylvania Bigfoot uh, camping adventure. That's what it sounds like to me. Yeah, it should be a good time. And, uh, you mentioned Kenny Biddle um, is going to be one of the speakers. Kenny is a, a well-known skeptic, 
and he writes for uh, Skeptical Inquiry magazine. Mm-hmm. Um, we wanted to give a, a full, well-rounded look at the subject. Mm-hmm. So we're bringing in um, people who do research, and we're bringing in a skeptic as well to, to share his side of why he thinks Bigfoot does not exist. So we want everybody to get a well-rounded look at the subject matter, get hands-on through the workshops, go out in the woods and experience what it's like to look for Bigfoot. So it's going to be truly an adventure for everybody who comes out and joins us and and will get a good, well-rounded look at the subject. You got some amazing, uh, amazing guests coming out, amazing speakers coming out. Uh, Ken Gerhard, Ron Moorhead, Ronnie LeBlanc, uh, the Mountain Monsters guys. Uh, among others, and, and, and Kenny Biddle, I, I got to tell you, you you're gonna, you've got a, a well balanced uh, dais, for lack of a better term, I guess, uh, Eric. Um, you've you've got some experts out there that will be able to take you out there with a level head uh, out into the woods and be able to yeah. uh, be able to sit and talk about the subject with a level head and be able to give you all sides. And should you see something out there? will be able to um, deal with it with a level head as well. So I, I think you've, you've put together uh, one hell of an event, my friend. That's, that's for sure. I'm just a little jealous. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> um, it wasn't Mally Fox, but you had, um, oh, I can't think of her name. She was on your show a while ago. Jessica Freeberg? Um, no. Um, oh, I can't think of her. last name was Hart. Oh, yeah. Katie Hart. Katie Hart, thank mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. Katie actually came to a Bigfoot camping adventure with us a few years ago. Oh, okay. She flew in. Um, she was doing a radio show with another uh, friend of hers, and the two women came in for the weekend and joined us, and they had a great time. They really enjoyed it, and it got a, a hands-on look at the subject matter. And that's what we want people to do is to come out and and learn about the subject, all aspects of the subject, uh, the pro, the con, um, to get their hands involved on learning how to make a Bigfoot cast or what's involved, the tools involved, the time. They can hear from the experts that they can hear. They can meet some of their favorite TV celebrities who are on TV and, and talk to them and find out, you know, is it real? Is it scripted? Is it, you know, is it for TV? Mm-hmm. So it, it's, it's like you said, it's a well-balanced event where everybody has something that they can take away from the event. And uh, we hope people will join us. I'm telling you, you might have Bruiser and I on your front doorstep when this thing happens. It's it's September of 2024, so you've got plenty of time. But I will encourage you to do this, folks. Sign up for it right now because spots are going fast, and they are going to go fast for this. Uh, it's one heck of an adventure. Keep in mind, we're in December right now. This makes a great Christmas gift or a great holiday gift if you're going to if you're looking for something for the holidays to give to people. Uh, send them on a Bigfoot camping adventure. That's what I say. That's right. It's a perfect stocking stuffer where you can put your big foot. Ah, uh, I see what uh, you did there. Are you looking for one of these? Because <laughs> I think I probably pissed some people off with that already. Just saying. Uh, one of those little uh, rim shots there. Um, but uh, yeah, so there you go. Uh, Bigfoot camping adventure is uh, what we're looking for here. And uh, by all means, folks, we encourage you to sign up Bigfoot. I'm sorry. It's PA Bigfoot camping adventure.com. Uh, Eric Altman is our guest and uh, Eric, I want to thank you so much for being on the program today. It's great to talk to you again, Tim. It's been too many years since we've been together and had some fun and talked a little cryptids and 
all things strange and unusual. And yeah, um, I'll, I'll give some thought to the monster watch and who knows, you might see me back on the show a little more often. I would love that, my friend. I absolutely would love that. So thank you so much for being on today. I appreciate it, Tim. Good talking to you and you have a great rest of your night. You as well. Thank you. I want to thank our guest, Eric Altman, for being on today. Again, PABigfootCampingAdventure.com. Going to be some great guests in September of 2024 for you to go out and go looking for Bigfoot with. Ken Gerhardt, Mountain Monsters guys, Ron Moorhead, Ronnie LeBlanc, big favorite of mine, is going to be out there. I love Ronnie. God, I'm telling you, Bruiser and I are going to crash this thing. We're going to be out there, I think, too. We're going to try and find a way to be out there. Uh, also, Jay Bachochin, another big favorite of mine. Dave Spinks, huge favorite of mine. Love Dave Spinks. He's going to be out there. Kenny Biddle is going to be out there as well, and much, much more. And, of course, Eric Altman's going to be there. He's, he's putting this whole thing together. It's going to be huge, folks. It, it's going to be the Bigfoot event of 2024, and you're going to want to be there. If you want to go out looking for Bigfoot, this is the event to be at. Bigfoot Camping Adventure. So PABigfootCampingAdventure.com. We've got a link in the description to this program. Use it as a stocking stuffer for someone or get tickets for yourself and go out and have this adventure of a lifetime. I think you'll really, really enjoy it. So that's going to do it for this week. You know, we're coming up on the holiday season. Whether you, We're in Hanukkah right now. Uh, whether you celebrate Hanukkah, whether you celebrate Kwanzaa, whether you celebrate Christmas, whatever it is you're celebrating, I hope you have a great holiday season, that you're enjoying the holiday and you're celebrating the reason for the season. And I hope that you're treating each other with kindness, that you're spirits uplifted by the holiday season and i know there's some people that and i even talked with this with a a friend and a brother the other day about feeling a little down by the season and not you know not having the same people that used to um inspire you for that season some loved ones that might have passed remember to keep those traditions alive through the holiday season it's a little tough you know, sometimes you have to make your own traditions. Sometimes you have to inspire the new generations to keep those traditions alive. But remember to keep everything in your heart and everything that's in your heart, put it out there for the new generations or for new people so that they can keep those traditions alive and keep the spirit of the holidays alive. Sometimes it's tough. Sometimes it's real tough. But we can keep things alive through each other and keep that joyous spirit alive with each other and that's what it's all about it's about keeping it alive from generation to generation if we let that flame die then it's on us and we can't do that there's some beautiful things about life folks and a lot of times we let life grind us up and spit us out it's not what it's about life is a beautiful thing and we can continue to show people what a beautiful thing life really is. And we remember that around the holidays. But we should do that all year round. It's not hard to do. Just take a look around and see some of the beautiful things that are out there. So be a light in somebody's darkness this weekend. I know I will be. I'll try this weekend on Saturday. I'll be at KNSI. You can listen to me from 7 to 9 a.m. I'll give you a little bit of weather, a little bit of sports, a little song, a little dance, a little seltzer in your pants. <laughs> give me a listen, knsiradio.com. But do something for somebody this weekend if you can. You know, there are people out there that need warm coats, warm hats, warm blankets. 
maybe put a few dollars in a red kettle, do something for somebody this holiday. Toys for Tots is a huge thing with me. Give a kid a toy for Christmas. Do whatever you can this holiday season to uh, keep those traditions alive. That's all we ask here at Darkness Radio. Just be a little kinder to each other and it'll make our hearts a little warmer. Love you guys. We'll see you next week. We're going to have another great week here on the best in paranormal podcasting. Thank you so much for listening. You've been listening to Darkness Radio.